You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hello and welcome to this episode of Scottish Football Forums podcast. I'm John, guest special tonight, former Dundee, Aberdeen, Dundee United and 40 times Scotland capped international. Stuart McKimmish, Stuart, welcome along. How are you doing? I'm very well, thanks. Very well. Good, good. Um, on a personal level, I'm delighted to add a, another collection to my Aberdeen's 90s players um, collection um, because I've had um, I've had the likes of Brian Urban, Robert Connor, um, Steve, Stephen Wright, all on and David Robertson. So thanks for adding to that list. Yeah, no worries at all. No worries. Good stuff. Um, so we'll take um, before we go back and look at your career. Let's talk about what you're. You're doing now, so you're running a, um, a co-running a, um, a firm called Trail McKimmy Recruitment with um, Andy Trail. Let's tell us how you got involved in that. In recruitment, eh, or, or with uh, Trail McKimmy? Um, well, I worked with I've worked with Andy previously um, with a couple of recruitment companies, and uh, I've had I've done, I've had a number of different. I mean, my background is uh, sales, business development, so I've. I've been in recruitment a while, but I've been in oil and gas and that as well. So, but I've worked with Andy um, a couple of times previously, and we during one drunken Christmas night, uh, we, we, I, oh, and I'll, I'll tell you exactly when it was in December two thousand and nineteen. Andy and myself were standing at the bar, a few drinks too many, and we said, "You know, I thought about starting your own company," and it was on it was on the back of that, and we said, "Right, let's get our heads together, let's get this going." Took three months to get it uh, up and ready uh, to go, and of course there was a start of the pandemic. We actually opened the company the first of April, twenty twenty. So there you go, and and right in the middle, uh, the start of the pandemic, and we're still here today, and we're still operating, which is good. So if we've managed to come through this, we'll come through anything. Yeah. So how did you manage to adapt? Because that was obviously rotten timing, as you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean uh, a lot of disappointment. I mean a, a lot of, in, in recruitment. I mean yeah. You spend a lot of time looking for people, the right people, and then the job gets cancelled or, or whatever. And you do a lot of work, um, and you don't get any rewards for it. I mean, the only thing we get money is if somebody gets a uh, gets the job and starts a job. If we could do all the search and interview, getting people interviewed and everything, uh, but unless they actually get the job, we all our work counts for nothing. So it's been good. It's been a it's been a good learning curve. Um, I mean, we're we're really busy just now, which is good. The company's growing and going in the way we want it to go, and uh, hopefully it'll continue to grow like that. I mean, there's, there's only a few of us, and we're, we're doing everything uh, in house ourselves. I mean, I do majority of the sales and, and a bit of recruitment, whereas Andy's he's he's really he's really good at the the resourcing side and very good at the processes and procedures. Where we're like an old married couple, his his strengths is my weaknesses and my strengths is his weaknesses. So we get on great. It's amazing how you feed off each other, and um, how much you just have to yeah. use your own name. You know, I'm the famous Stuart McKimmy. Um, come work with me, type of thing. <laughs> well, we have a lot of discussions about football. Andy's Celtic daft, and uh, so uh, we have a good chat about football. Yeah, good stuff. And is it mainly oil and gas that you work in, or is there other um, sectors that you uh, recruit oh, for no, as well? No, yeah, I mean, we are. I mean, we we will supply anything in any any. You've you've got your specialist recruitment agencies, but we we are kind of generalists. We'll whatever somebody puts to us, or can we? You have to do exactly the same. Your searching process is exactly the same, whether it's a a general labourer or a or a project manager. Yeah, we do everything for there, there, and in between, onshore, offshore, and they just in this country. I mean, we've supplied guys to uh, Africa and that as well. So it's um, no, it's a 
it's a it's a um I would I'd like to say it's a a great industry. It's a very stressful industry, um, and fast paced. It's very fast paced, and uh, um, but the rewards are good. I mean, for you I mean to get somebody, uh, linked, I lined up and and everything matches to get them in in the employment is a great feeling. Fast pace, that describes your playing career because you were a fullback. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm still the same. But I think it's, you want everything like yesterday. And that's that kind of thing. You, yeah, I'm, a, I'm very competitive and I've still got that kind of drive and determination to succeed in, in what you do. So uh, I think it's it's good to have that in, in, in your in working life as well. Excellent. That's it's all good. So we'll take you back to the... Um, where your playing career all started. In fact, before we even talk about your playing career, what was your early kind of football memories growing up as a child? Because I said before, mine was like watching you guys um, and getting brought up in Aberdeen finally, and you guys um, leaving me false pretenses thinking we're going to be great after a cup double win. What about you? How did it all start for you? Um, I think, I've, well, I've always been very, very uh, keen to play football and I've always played football from basically, I mean, I know it's uh, an old cliche there that as soon as you were able to walk and you were you were playing football, you had a ball at your feet. But it was certainly the case for myself. Um, when I was getting younger, especially primary school age, and I suppose once I got secondary, I would rather be playing football than watching. I and I did occasionally um, get along to Petodri uh, to see a, a, a few games, but but very rarely because I would I was rather play. And that was to me uh, um, playing was all that mattered. And uh, so I, I mean my early days. Um, I didn't. I wasn't. I wouldn't say I was a. I was an Aberdeen diehard supporter. I mean, I was a. I'm a Leeds United man. Believe it or not, I've supported Leeds United since 1971. I remember to get beat for the Arsenal one 0 in the FA Cup final, and the team was full of Scotsmen. And I've um, followed Leeds all these years. The good times, the bad times, and and now they're back in the Premiership. Uh, I actually saw them for the first time two years ago. My wife was fed up when we got on about it. She bought a stick. Bought a, bought my tickets and I went and saw them get beat for Sheffield United. So the only time I've seen them, they were terrible, they got beat. But but no, I mean, younger days, um, growing up, to me, it was all about playing football. I, I wasn't really that bothered about watching it. I wanted to play it. Yeah, I've, I've got a neighbour who supports Leeds, so he'll be delighted to um, hear that you, you were a Leeds fan. So who is um, your kind of idols in that Leeds team, would you say then, if it was more them than Aberdeen? Yeah, well, way back in that days, I mean, you had the likes of Billy Bremner and Peter Lormer, Gordon McQueen, all these guys played. Even uh, Arthur Graham was Aberdeen, uh, who used to be Aberdeen, but it was at Leeds at that time as well. So they had a, a kind of, they've always had a, a kind of strong um, Scotland contingent playing for them. But they, not nowadays. I mean, uh, probably the last five, ten, ten years or so, it's, it's never been the same. But certainly uh, during the seventies, eighties, and that, they've always had. And a, a, a good a good number of good Scotsmen playing in their team, so I think it was that. And plus, uh, their kit came back in the day when I when I was younger. That things were getting this prosperous, and and you you couldn't afford to get in the football kits. But Leeds was simple, just a white t-shirt, a pair of white socks, socks, and a pair of white shorts, and you had the Leeds kit. And that's I think that's maybe why as well, because it was a cheap option. Yeah, she just got a white white t-shirt, got a blue pen right L U F C on it. Yeah, that was it. So, but um. You know, um, I have followed them and I've always kind of, can you always have a look for the results? And I'm glad to see they're, they're back in the Premiership. So that's, they're, they're, uh, they're performing uh, reasonably well. Good, They're good one week, terrible the next, but that's Leeds. <clears throat> mm-hmm. 
it is good to see a club of that stature back in the top flight because that's the kind of team that you want in the Premier League without being disrespectful to other teams. For um, may they have yeah, a good season. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and um, you ended up um, playing for Bank City before you um, moved on from there to Dundee. How was your Bank City days? I, well, I didn't actually um, play for Bank City. Um, oh, no. <laughs> it's a story. Oh, never researched Wikipedia. When I was uh, signed for Dundee as a, on a S form, it was, um, I was 15, I was playing for D-side under-16s. And but they had an affiliation with Bank City. So basically... Um, if you were good enough, uh, once you played the 16s, you got you you was going to uh, you get signed by Bank City. But the, what had happened when Dundee signed me or wanted to sign me, it was to do with money. Um, the usual football, I had to do with money. Um, the, I I believe that if I had signed for Dundee from D side under 16s, Dundee would have paid them a hundred pound. But because when when they when they found out that I was going to be going there, they, they quickly got me to sign for Bank City, and they got five hundred pound because I was playing for a junior club, and I was the theory behind it, and I was a, a real bad kind of I, I, well, it wasn't a good story for me, but Tommy Gemmell signed me for Dundee, um, and when I signed, uh, I always remember uh, his the, the plan with Tommy was take you in sixteen year old and we'll farm you back to an Aberdeen junior club. So at this time, he, he wasn't really aware that I had signed for Bank City. And of course, I came back to Aberdeen. He said, I've got a club signed up. Uh, I lined up for you. Uh, you're going to play for them on a Saturday. And they're called, it was Muggy Moss. And he says, you've got to go and meet the guy down at the beach and sign the form. So I'm, yeah, I'm only 16. The guy said, sign here, signed away. So about a month later, when the season had started, uh, the junior season had started, I was pulled in the uh, Gemmell's office and he went, absolutely ape with my sister. What have I done? He says, you've signed for two junior clubs. I was Because I was signed for Bank City, I then signed for Muggy Moss and on the back of it, I couldn't play for any of them. So I ended off working well because I ended off playing in the reserves. So it worked well for me. <laughs> Talk about murky transfers, didn't you, as it happens back in the 80s as well. <laughs> oh, God, I. Deary me. Um, so, I mean, yeah, Dundee must be a good learning curve. You know, you had 102 appearances in the three years. Um, but your first season, you helped the club get promotion back into the top flight. Um, you know, just that must have been a good um, start to your career. Um, I, you know, getting a winning mentality very early on. Yeah, I mean, I was very, I mean, I was lucky. Um, and Doral Mackay, it was Doral Mackay took over from Tommy Gemmell. The first season I was at Dundee, they, they got promoted to the Premier League. And then the second season, they were relegated. So um, I then, then Tommy Gemmell got sacked. Don, Donald Mackay came in and uh, he gave me an opportunity very early on. I was uh, I was I was only 17 at the time. Um, I replaced, I mean, I was an injury midweek. Um, Eric Schiedler, who uh, was left back for Dundee at that time, he got picked up an injury and I was asked to, to play. Uh, well, I was asked out. I was asked from Donald Mackay, would you be comfortable playing at left back? And I said, well, quite happily play left back. And that's where I made my debut. And uh, I played three games uh, at left back and then I did my, my knee ligaments and I was out for six months. So I played for three, out for six months and then we got promoted uh, back to the Premier League the following season. Yeah, it was, uh, that's a shame you were out for um, for so long. But, uh, you know, the next season you avoided relegation and the... Um, 
in that season, which is obviously the big thing when you get for a newly promoted club. But just uh, that education, you know, coming through at Dundee and um, you know playing alongside some um, some good players, you know, that must have been uh, you know just how much learning did uh, you feel um, in your young years? I think I think it was the ground. I can it gave me the, the the kind of grounding and the desire and hunger to uh, to do well. I mean, Dundee um, were an old fashioned club in that days, and they probably still do a lot of the same. If we were young kids, as uh, I there, I mean, I, I was about eleven youngsters joined at the same time at sixteen year old, and you had to do. I mean, I remember our first week uh, when we joined uh, Dundee. Never never seen a football, never trained. We were doing, we were painting terraces. We were uh, sweeping the, uh, doing the washing, sweeping the the, the dressing rooms, uh, doing the washing. You did absolutely everything other than play football. And then our first day of training was the Saturday. We were here Monday to Friday, and the first day of training was the Saturday. And we were running up and down the sand dunes at Carnoustie Beach. And I always remember as a guy. Um, I can't remember his first name, but I was, he was. I was eleven of us shared digs, and. Uh, we went to stay down over uh, the weekend because we were training on the Saturday. And you, I remember him on the Sunday dinner, he said, if this is what being a footballer is about, I don't want to be a footballer. And he went in and saw Tommy Kemmel on the Monday and he was never seen again. He parked in. He just thought, I'm not here to paint. I'm not here to run in sand dunes. I'm here to play football. And that's what he did. But I think that was, I mean, in that day's, you had to do, you had to, uh, can do all the, the rubbish jobs, you're an apprentice, just like you were doing an apprentice joiner or whatever, you had to do all the fetching and carrying and football, you've got to do all the, you know, the learning, cleaning boots, all that kind of stuff. And I think it made you appreciate it. Once you got into the first team and then you didn't do quite so many duties and then once you were regular, you didn't do any duties, you appreciated uh, what, you, what you had. And I think that was the making of a lot of, a lot of youngsters in that days because you had to learn and you had to do the in the, the terrible, crappy jobs that nobody wanted to do, but it, it gave you the perfect grounding. Yeah, definitely. You hear many stories um, about that from your day. I mean, you certainly don't get that, that sort of stuff now because um, you have professionals who come into clean boots and stuff like that. Um, which is just the way times are. The Dundee Derbies, um, you know, we talk about um, in this country, you know, city derbies and what they mean. Um, what were the what were the Dundee Derby experiences for you like? Well, I think I think in that days, certainly my days, um, Dundee United obviously had the they had the upper hand. I mean, they had a, a fantastic side. Uh, the eighty two eighty three side was absolutely amazing. And it was mostly uh, kind of homegrown uh, kids that they brought through their in their youth system and that, and they had a fantastic side. Um, I, I my recollection, I can remember playing in in, in two two games uh, and. One was the the one that um, actually Dundee United clinched the championship. Uh, they beat us three 0 at uh, Dance Park. And I always remember who won the title game. I think you're getting confused with the League Cup final. They beat you three 0 It was two one. Yeah, well, I think. Well, I'm just trying to think. No, I think it was. Uh, was it two one? The, yeah, two one. Ralph Melbourne with the, Ralph, the, the chip in. Um, well, that's, that's the one I always remember because if you see when Ralph chips, it's me sliding in to tackle him. Uh, so he, I used to be on sports scene every Saturday. That way they showed that goal, and I, I was, I'm like, "It's one day I'm going to get it." But I never did. Um, so I remember that game because it was well, obviously that was the game that clinched the, the league for them. And then I played in a another derby down at Tannadice, and uh, we drew one each, and we were one in one nil. 
I think it might have been my my debut in the the Dundee Derby actually. But anyway, a ball comes to the back post, and David Dodge comes in at the back, and I'm I'm trying to obviously to defend, and I, I beat him to it, and I'm trying to scoop it like in, out for a corner, and I scooped it right in the top corner, and I was always a picture of David Dodge patting me in the head, together you know, celebrating the goal, well done, and that was me. I thought, the first, I think that would have been the first time Dundee, I Dundee had beaten United for a while, but ended off I scored their own goal and it was one each. But no, I mean they were they were good games. I mean, uh, I mean the Derby games were were always fantastic, and uh, it's just a shame that in Dundee in that days um, weren't of the successful inside uh, that they used to be. I mean United, I, I suppose it was a bit unfortunate at my time that that United side was a fantastic team at that time. Yeah, it's good to see that Derby back in the top flight as well. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, I think for the fans' sake, um, I mean, the, the fans will always have that can the, the divide. I mean, you're still in the, you can see when I mean, the grounds are next to each other. It's amazing to see that. I mean, uh, the, the the Dundee fans, again, they they would starved the success for so long, and it, and it would be great to see them. I mean, I think their their aim is obviously to stay in the the, the Premiership. Um, as long as they can and and try and build. But I've always been there. Uh, I, I haven't been back that often, but when I have been back, you've always been welcomed in that. And some of the, the guys I used to play like, uh, with, Bobby Glennie and that, they still can do a turn for the club and match days and stuff. So uh, you bump into you know, some of the guys now and again, which is good. Yeah, it's always good when you have these reunions, Sam. But and then you join Aberdeen late um, late in eighty three, uh, December eighty three. Um, I didn't look up when your debut was because we know when your second game was. You're playing a European final, um, second yeah. leg against Hamburg. Uh, yeah. So within two games, you've you've won uh, got a European medal in your your back pocket. That must have been sweet. Well, it was. It's well, it's amazing how how quickly it happened. I mean, I I remember I played against Hibs in the Saturday for Dundee, and we got beat three 0 and uh, we didn't play well. I mean, the result suggests, and I, and I, as I'm. Way to get the train. I used to go back to Aberdeen after a game of the train on a Saturday, and I get a, a shout for the coach. So, uh, the manager wants to see you. And I thought, Christ, I know, I know, I play, I know we're playing bad, but I, I, I wasn't kind of to blame for like, I solely for the defeat. And I thought, God, what the hell's the way to happen here? And uh, I always remember Donald Mackay says, sit down, and he says, um, and his exact words is, uh, "We've sold you." I says, "What? What do you mean you've sold this?" He says, "We've sold you. Don't worry about. It. We've sold you to your your home team." And I thought, oh my God, that's what you mean? Because I'm just, I mean, I'm a young lad, I only six months left in my contract. And I'm thinking, just keep playing away and hopefully you'll get a new contract with Dundee. If you do well, they'll, they'll offer you a new deal. And he says to me, he says, right, what'll happen is um, we're going, I'll meet you in Aberdeen tonight. Um, I had to go and get down to the station, get a train back to Aberdeen. Um, I went home and he says, I went, I'll, I'll meet you uh, in Market Street, Aberdeen at nine o'clock. He says, I'll be driving up and I'll pick you up there. So I'm like, asking home on the train and I'm getting back home, changed, and I had to meet him and thinking, God, it's just a whirlwind. What the hell's going on here? So I went to Pataudry and it was basically a done deal. It was like I signed a, a four and a half year contract and I never got back. The unfortunate thing is I never got back to Dundee to say my, my goodbyes. I was basically Saturday signed, Monday I was training at Pataudry. I didn't even have boots. I had to uh, get can get new boots and that. So um, it, it, it was that quick. I just didn't even get a chance to go back to Dundee to say cheerio. So um, it was you know, a whirlwind. Um, I didn't have to make. I mean, 
Uh, and it wasn't a, it was it was a no brainer. Aberdeen were the best team at that time. You're going for a, a struggling team uh, who, you know, we're, we're struggling every week to kind of get every every game was a, a struggle trying to get a point here or there to stay in the league. And then you were going to the best the best team in Scotland. And for me, I did, it was nothing. Can you didn't go for money? It was a fa- the fact that going to a club who were going to be winning every week as opposed to a club who were struggling to win and. Um, it was it was disappointing having to leave the way I did, but I mean I, I would I would have been stupid to turn the kind of opportunity down. Yeah, exactly. And then you're his uh, Stuart Kennedy had done to unfortunately retire um early in the year, and you were obviously seen as that type um, type of replacement. You know that must have been a big compliment um, when someone like Alice Ferguson, um, you know, takes notice and say you're who I want to come in, and as I say. You were off to a good start. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. I mean, I mean, I, people say to me when kind of when I joined Aberdeen, how how I improved as a player. But I, my answer to that was no. I'm still. I was. I'm doing the same things for Aberdeen as I was doing at Dundee. The difference is you've got better players around you, and it's the players around you that made it so easy for me to fit in. Uh, I wasn't doing anything out of this world. Anything different to what I was doing at Dundee. The difference is. You were playing. I mean, I had got. I mean, I always people ask me who's the best player you played with at Aberdeen, and I always say Gordon Stark. And I only played with him for six months, but he made my trans transition for Dundee to Aberdeen so easy. When I was attacking, he was always available as an outlet for me to pass it to to get around defensively. He came back and he helped me out, and uh, he he was great. A great because he left six months. I mean, that season he left. To go to, I think it was Man United. Yeah. So uh, that six months was brilliant for me. I mean, he made it so easy. Yeah, it must have been good following on with someone like Strachan. But uh, who who would give you the biggest bollocking um, during the game? Would it be Willie Miller or Ferguson? Well, it'd be fair, fair, uh, definitely Ferguson. Uh, no, I mean, Willie was, uh, I mean, Willie never really gave bollocks, bollockings. He, he was always, I mean, I think. So probably, he was a he wasn't a shouter. Uh, he did shout, but he wasn't a, like a, a moaner. He didn't moan. Mm-hmm. He shouted, mm-hmm. but he, he led by example. I think his performance was how he motivated other people, you know. And uh, you know, he never, I can't ever remember Willie as a player giving you a bulletin. I mean, he used to bail you out a few times here or mm-hmm. there, but but you can't ever remember. I know Alex Ferguson, I mean, was certainly, again, he, he was the. He was the one who told you, uh, in no uncertain terms, uh, what he thought of you. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, and that days you just say, uh, man, if you take it, if you do, if you don't take it, you don't play, and if you don't play, you don't get the rewards to go with playing. So that's that's how you looked at. it. What was the worst um, Ferguson hairdryer um, treatment that you ever got, or were you were you one of the fortunate ones? I never had that. I mean, yeah, he had a go at you quite a lot, and I always remember. I always took on board one thing he did say to me. He, he says to me, "If I ever, when I, he says, if it ever gets to the stage I stop shouting at you, it will mean I've washed my hands of you." So basically, he felt, or what the way I what I took from that is, if he believes he as long as he believe, uh, kept shouting at me, he believes I can offer more, I can push myself, I can do better. If mm-hmm. the day he stops shouting, then that's the end of my days at Aberdeen, and I I took it as a positive that. Um, that can he respected me as a player and, and shouted at me because he knew that I could perform better and, and I took it as a kind of can words of encouragement as opposed to the other way. That's the right way to do it, um, definitely. And in, in that first season as well that you were there, Aberdeen won the double. Um and 
you've played the biggest um, big part in terms of winning the league because it was your goal against Hearts that clinched the title effectively. Um, just scoring a title winning yeah. goal, that must be a great moment. Well, I mean, if you, when you think about that, that six months, I was my first six months, you had won the, the Super Cup, which my second game was against Hamburg. And then you, you go and score your first ever goal at senior football, but even reserves. I never scored a goal in the reserves. And, uh, and, to, and the manner in how it came about, because it was a throw-in from uh, Doug Rugby uh, at left back, and I was I came all the way from right back into the left left side of the field to get receive us, and then it wasn't hell. Be honest, it wasn't the, the best hit shot. But if I'd hit it proper, the keeper would have probably saved it. Um, but it was just like fairy tale stuff. I mean, you score a goal, you, you've won the Super Cup, you play in that game, you score a goal that clinches the uh, the title, and you think, God, can can things get better? And then, of course, they they got. Even even better, you ended up playing in the, the Scottish Cup final and beat Celtic at the end of the season as well. So it was a fantastic. Uh, I, I think probably my career at Aberdeen, I was probably um, lucky or blessed in that to have that happen. But it happened so quickly, and anything after that, can any year after that, you're never going to win that amount of trophies again. It's going to be a bit of a struggle to maintain that over your career. Yeah, I mean, you did win another league title. Um, you won another. Uh, yeah, a, a cup double in the eighty-five, eighty-six season, beating the Edinburgh teams, um, both three 0 in the finals. Um, well, the the famous one, obviously, um, giving Hearts um, a bit of a doing the week after they lost the league, um, a bit of a um, <laughs> salt in the wounds for them. I mean, and all this under Ferguson, and uh, you know, it's just just golden times that will never be repeated up at Petardry. No, I mean, I think it, it's a bit like that Dundee United team. Um, I, I was speaking about the eighty-two, eighty-three Aberdeen were blessed with. Uh, I mean, young talent in that. Is that I mean, Willie, Willie came through the rank. Well, if you look at uh, the team, Jim Leighton, Alec, Willie, Doug Rugby, they all came through uh, the youth ranks at Petaudry. And then you go into the midfield and you had Neil Simpson, uh, Neil Cooper, John Hewitt, Eric Black. And all these guys came through the, the youth system. Uh, the only players that were signed was like uh, Gordon Strach and Mark McGee. Um, but I think when were Peter, Peter Weir. Again, there, there wasn't a lot of players that Alec Ferguson had to go out and, and spend money on. Most of them were bred, uh, came, came through the youth system in Aberdeen. And, and it, it was, it's, it was lucky. I mean, you were lucky. Is it lucky? I mean, they were all very, very good players and they gelled well. I mean, football, um, the thing about football is you can have one great player, but if you don't get that great player the ball when he needs the ball, then that great player becomes just an average joke. Um, we were lucky that you had players who were a lot of leaders and they, they knew their responsibility and uh, everybody did their bit and and you were kind of very lucky to have a uh, that that kind of quality aside. But then, uh, I mean, Fergie did well for kind of like two or three years later because we did lose a, a number of players the first season I was there. You lost Rugby, you lost Strachan, you lost Mark McGee, and you had to replace that and and. To be fair to him, he was very, very good at looking at bargain players with potential because he brought in the likes of Frank McDougall, prolific goal scorer, fantastic goal scorer, actually. I mean, just a shame his, his career was curtailed. That maybe only played about two and a half seasons at Aberdeen. And then he went and got Billy Stark for St Martin. Again, a player who, um, your normal midfield player, was a guy who was a, got into the penalty box and got you loads of goals. So they... 
you, you did great because you, you always looked at getting for you went to lesser clubs and and looked at uh, emerging talent and and didn't pay big money and I wasn't I mean I wasn't a massive fees I mean like a Frank McDougall I think was maybe about three hundred grand or something like that so he, he didn't he didn't pay massive amounts of money but the players came in and made a difference I'm not going to say Frank McDougall was in fact I'll, I'll be honest Frank McDougall was probably a better striker than Mark McGee if you look at in terms of in terms of goals. But Mark McGee was probably a better link up man and uh and, and more agile and again he runs into dangerous areas. Frank was a penalty box striker mm-hmm. and you knew what you did. You get you have got to get the ball in the box for Frank to be effective. Whereas Mark did a lot of running out with it. Um so I mean I think um I, th- I think Fergie did really, really well in, in bringing in players and he got me for 90 grand. Uh, and I, I was there for, what, 14 years and played a, a pile of games. And, and there was quite a lot of players at that time. He did the same. I mean, Robert Connor came to Aberdeen and he only paid about 300,000. Jim Beck was about 300,000. I mean, you had quality players like that coming coming in and getting, making an impact at Aberdeen. Yeah, they certainly all did make an impact. And not just on the part, but... I'm assuming off the part he's all had a good um, team spirit. Just um, describe, you know, what the um, dressing room and away from the dressing room was like with the um, the teammates he's had. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, naturally people, there, there is little cliques, as you would call it. You always got little, little wee cliques, but everybody kind of gelled like uh, very much together. But I think it's because you have... You came to Aberdeen and and it's a, the the mentality of winning every game. You went out with a view to win every game, and that was how your your mindset was. And and especially in the in my in the first three years with Alec Ferguson when I was there, it just it was just and you just every game there were we sell to play and that fair outset you're going out to win it. There was no negativity about trying to get draws or anything like that. It was just you're good enough, go out there and 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 win. But when you look at tactics and you look at tactics now I mean it's absolutely embarrassing to see what guys are looking at uh, iPads and going through all the different things and the other day you come on as a substitute um, somebody replacing oh I'm, I'm, I'm going to replace a right back I come on as a sub and they just say right what you do is you pick up Joe Bloggs or uh, corner kicks and set pieces and that's all you needed to know because you know how to play football <laughs> you know uh, if, when you look at the modern now they, I mean the guys are like baffled by the time they come on they fit to, to read this in war and peace thing about before they come on to play a game of football, you think so it can't be that complicated. You just got to go out and do your job. You should know how to play. Yeah, the passing the notes to say you do this, etc. Yeah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> it's just a ridiculous. Note. I know it's just it's just almost overcomplicates it. You know, as you say, as long as you can play football, you should be able to know your job. But um, yeah. it's all no markings. Another thing that's um, that yeah. that's just. Uh, Pet hate of mine personally. Um, I mean, when Ferguson left, that's obviously going to be, um, you know, a difficult time to adapt. And um, Ian Porterfield came in, God bless him. Uh, it, di- it didn't quite work out from him. What was the reason in your eyes that um, it didn't work out? Was the lack of knowledge, of, although he was a Scotsman, um, the fact he'd been away from Scotland for too long have an effect? I, think he, I don't know. I don't think it was. I think he, he came from English football, and, and the difference, I mean, it was two points for a win there. Uh, I that day, and and I think um, when Ian was managing in England and playing in England, when clubs would go away from home, they'd be quite content to get a draw, a point. And Aber, the mindset Fergie had uh, can implemented at Petoria was 
that you, you go out to win every game. So whether you're in Glasgow, Ibrox, or Park, Celtic Park, or wherever, Tynecastle, Easter Road, or Petaudry, you go to win every game. And I think Ian came along and, and he was, as a manager, was quite content to go to Celtic Park and come away with a point. And whereas we would be like, Ken, you're waiting for a bullocking, really, because I mean, Fergie would never have accepted that. Uh, unless you were played absolutely brilliant and you were unfortunate to lose a goal, but um, but he wouldn't accept draws and stuff like that. Yeah, he went there with an attitude to win, and I think um, the players then began to think, no, instead of getting a bullock, and he's kind of complimenting us on getting a point away from home. So we begin to think uh, that's acceptable, and then before you know, you're you're accepting getting draws away from home because the manager's not going to shout at you. And I think he was quite unlucky because. I mean, he, I mean, he had the, again, the, the gumption and, and uh, the ability to, to sign Charlie Nicholas, who was a fantastic signing for Aberdeen at that time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I just think he was he, he was a bit unfortunate. Um, I, uh, as a manager and as a man, an absolutely delight to work for, a lovely guy, a player's manager. Um, you could go and speak to him and he was a nice guy. And that's maybe his downfall was he was just a nice guy and he was too nice. Yeah, too, too nice unfortunately <laughs> to make a success. Um, but Alex Smith then came in, um, and he became a, a big success. Uh, we talk about the sixth season, um, do a cup double over the Edinburgh teams, then doing the cup double eight nine eight. My first as a um as a football fan and Don's fan to do a cup double over the old firm. It doesn't get much better than that unless you win the treble that season. So um, just uh, yeah. you know, beating Rangers. I mean that Rangers win was probably special because you'd lost the previous two in good which were also classic finals and Celtic was obviously the first ever penalty shot which was some unique to, first ever Scottish yeah. Cup final penalty shot which was yeah. obviously some unique No I think um, I mean the Rangers games as you say they were absolute classics uh, and, and and the three of them could have went either way um, to be fair um, but I think I mean, what Alec did was uh, he in, in, introduced the, the Dutch guys um, and, and they were a revelation. That they, not them all, but uh, at that time, bringing the likes of Theo Snelders in, I mean, the, I mean, the, the perfect replacement for, for, for Jim Leighton. Um, and he came in and obviously established himself. And, and Paul Mason, can you, you, I mean, uh, he was a fantastic signing for, for, the, for the Dons. Um, a scouser, can how the hell he ended off getting to Groningen and, and then uh, Alex signing him and getting to Aberdeen and he, I mean I think he was probably one of the one of the best signings I think at that kind of that time because I mean, what an engine a great footballer um, and then he introduced other I mean Hans Hillhouse when he first came and that was absolutely out of this world never seen a striker as good as that uh, he certainly then then he, impacted right, his debut uh, <laughs> yeah I mean I think it's a, I mean you, you brought in like um, Evan der Ark again big his knee, wouldn't they, you wouldn't say he's a kind of modern day player, but big awkward guy, but give his lot, Peter van der Ven, uh, more a British style player, um, and then you had Tenka who was a kind of lovely, kind of great left-footed player who played the game at his own pace, so I think, I mean, I like brought in a lot, a lot of good players uh, to uh, an existing to existing good players, because we had some we had a really good side in, in those days, uh, when you look at the, some of the players that we had and then like a Ian Jess, he was he was the man that brought Ian Jess in uh, again and give him his kind of debut as a young lad in the cup final that as well. So we had something, and that was a, like Scott Booths and all uh, these guys were coming through the, the system at that time. So, I mean, Alec, fantastic. Again, great guy. Um, totally different managers to Fergie. Fergie kind of was a, an old-fashioned kind of 
fucking rule with fear type guy, whereas the Porterfield and Alex Smith were, were really nice guys. Again, there's guys that you could sit down and, and have a, 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 a kind of civil conversation without getting your head chopped off and that, you know? So, um, but no, I mean, uh, you, but you've went face against somebody like that, uh, people who are different and, and but they're, their, maybe their desire and hunger to succeed is near as what Fergie's was, you know? And because they, they maybe didn't have that kind of, it, it's kind of filters through the players who are not quite as hungry as the guys in, in, in Fergie days. Yeah, you talk Alex Smith, he also had um, Jockey Scott alongside, um, alongside him. So was it was um, a case of bad cop, good cop, the bad cop being Jockey and the good cop being yeah, Alex? Well, <laughs> Well, I know Jockey because Jockey was at, uh, I knew him well before he came back to Aberdeen because he came, he was at Dundee for, I was at Dundee because he, he finished off his career, he came back for an injury and, and Jockey, I mean, I, I, I played a reserve game with, with Jockey and I mean, he was, I mean, his um, again, mindset and thought in football was magnificent. I mean, he was thinking two moves, he passed her, the ball to him and he moved and all that and you couldn't keep up with him. He was so I mean, far ahead of you. And a, and a fantastic coach, grumpy, grumpy old man, but uh, a lovely, I mean, a, a great coach, a great, and the, I always remember, Joe, I played against um, Davy Proven when I was at Dundee, and uh, we got beat from Sel, like, the game was, it was 3-2 at Dens Park, I think it was, but we're 3-0 down at half time, I was playing left back as a youngster, I was only about 18 or something like that, and Davy Proven just turned me inside out, took me off at half time, and the game ended off 3-2. The following week, all I did was spend with Jolly Scott 1v1, 1v1 to get used to playing against a tricky guy. And then, again, it, it stood me in great stead thereafter. Um, but, uh, no, Jockey, great great coach. Um, I mean, they were, they were total opposites. You're right, Alec, nice guy. Jockey was the grumpy old man. Yeah, but it was a partnership that worked. And in that penalty share against Celtic, um, so... You're obviously seventh in the list, and you're not. So you're probably thinking it's not going to come to me; it'll be won by then. So then, when it comes to you, you know, just what are you thinking at that moment? Because obviously, you know, because it's in sudden death situation. If you miss Celtic win the cup, yeah, I mean, it's. Did you practice penalties that week? No, not at all. I mean, I I played in the stands because they figured we had the penalty shootouts a lot at Aberdeen, um, because we played in quite a lot of them. Um, obviously there was the Rangers the, the cup final and we played against them I think it was Dynamo Berlin in a European tie we went out and but it's strange because when when you, before a, a cup final or, a, or, a, or or when you get to a penalty situation um, you always get four volunteers there's always four volunteers to take it and it's, the problem is it's the fifth one and I always, it's, it's fact it is fact because when we played in Germany, um, but, um, Willie Miller uh, was the one that missed. And he was the one that felt, he, he didn't volunteer. He just felt, right, okay, I'm the captain. I'll take a pen. <clears throat> he missed. Um, Peter Nicholas against Rangers. We had four penalty takers. And Peter Nicholas said, well, nobody else is going to one, I'll take he Brian Grant and Brian Grant volunteered and missed. It's kind, it's kind, it's kind of strange because uh, um, you always get well. We always, in my time in, in, in penalty kicks uh, situations, we always got four volunteers. But um, but no, I got to the, the obviously to the to the nitty gritty, and, and Celtic had the advantage because they were taking the first penalty kick. 
And then Alec came in on Alec being well, he he was kind of probably it was probably his responsibility to take the next one. And then it was getting to the nitty gritty because I'm like, well, I'll take the next. And but it's just it's amazing how yeah, kind of how a, a goal just kind of shrinks. But when you watched like the penalties in the World Cup, yeah, the Euro Championships, and that, how the like English players in particular, how they mess about before they take it. I had won my thing. I, I made up my mind where I'm, put, where I'm putting it, and that was it. If the, if the goalkeeper gets to it, then well done him. But I, I wasn't again, playing any again, dicing with death, waiting for him to move or whatever. I just had made up my mind. That's where I'm putting it. And I, to be fair, I, I did hit it a lot better and higher than I probably intended. And, and absolute relief when I, when I scored it, like absolute relief. Yeah, and after that, Brian Nervin was the one that became a hero. And uh, well, he, that's what you say. He gets all the credit, and this was the easiest one. If he'd missed, we're still in it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's amazing how fake turns out. Um, but Brian was my favourite Aberdeen player at the time, so I was oh, personally right, delighted yeah. for him. Um, how many in Jess um, are my, my favourites? Uh, um, to be perfectly honest, but I, yeah. lo- I loved a lot. He's to be fair. Um, Ian's still, Ian's still my favourite. He's still, he still hasn't he changed. He's he's still as good looking, and he can still play football just now. He's still as fit as ever. Well, when I when I asked um, when I interviewed Ali Beg and asked him to recreate a, a bad boys, because he was obviously a singer, but in a Don style, the first man his sheet was Ian Jess, to be fair, without <laughs> hesitation. Um, yeah, but Ian's yeah. a Ian's a great guy, absolutely great guy, oh, yeah. guest, former guest oh, as well. Um, yeah, he came to prominence probably more than the next year that he played in that final in the next season when Neil won the league. But there was one game that you really stood out um, that I love watching. It was against Hearts at Tynecastle. You scored a cracker of an own goal in the first minute. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> but yes, I remember it well. But now, but this is where you tone yourself big style because you had an absolute cracker of a shot above Nicky Walker and off the bar. I mean, and Aberdeen yeah. going and went four one. That and that was a tough game because Hearts in those days was always a bit of a bogey ground for Aberdeen. Still yeah. are to a degree. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think again, in that, in that era, um, Hearts were blessed to be a lot. Of, again, they, they were like Aberdeen away back in the 80s. They, I mean, they were able, they brought loads of talent through their use, their use scheme, John Roberts and Gary McKay's guys. Like, I think I'm, I'm assuming maybe it was Dave Bowman there at them. I don't know if he was. No, he was at United. They had that kind of this, that kind of, they were able to produce their, kind of their own natural talent. And uh, no, I mean, it was a, a horrific own goal. and and. But I, I mean, I keep in touch with Nicky, and Nicky still to this day says he was concussed because I think he just before, not long before, five minutes before, I think he had got a knock or something. And he says, Oh, I was still concussed when that was hit, when you hit that one. But I, I mean, I still go and see him every now and again on business. Can he say, Obviously, he's got his business, uh, Walker Shortbread. He's in guards now, but he's a good lad. Always sees you. Always sees you. Are you sure he was thinking concussed looking at the top? He had to be because that blue with sort of. Colours of going everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was probably. I mean, I didn't score that many goals. I, I mean, I, I scored nine outfield goals and uh, and the one obviously the penalty shootout and then uh, the international goal. But I wasn't known for uh, for goal scoring. I mean, I I probably scored more than Danny McGrain because he was he was a kind of guy I when growing up and you you wanted to be like. I mean, Danny McGrain was a fantastic attacking fullback. But for somebody who got forward so much, he never scored goals. <laughs> he mm-hmm. never really scored any. I mean, it'd be interesting to see his record. I haven't actually looked, but uh, he's the kind of guy you kind of looked at and I thought, God, that's who you want to spare because he's he's so consistent and, and can get forward and def- I mean, he's a great defender as well. 
and uh, I mean, I'm a Celtic fan. Don't, don't ever think that. But I, I used to think he was a kind of guy you, you, you could kind of model yourself on. He was a good passer, a good crosser, but not a good finisher. But um, I think most um, people of that era, whether they support Celtic Rangers or whoever, would have admired how good a player Danny McGrain was, to be fair. But see, yeah. at the end of the day, as you say, you were fullbacks, you're not strikers. <laughs> you yeah. were attacking midfielders, so any goal you got was a bonus. And yeah. um, whenever you did, it meant something. So, um, unfortunately, that season, that's the one that get, got away in terms of Aber- Aberdeen winning the title. Cause it's not been won since 85 by any club out with the old firm. And from yeah. our point of view, that was the um, no one that got away the winning exchangers, only needing a draw. Uh, David Robertson mentions that there was a, a ch- almost, I wouldn't say a change in mentality, but when Motherwell scored in the last minute against Rangers the week before that put Aberdeen top of the league in goal difference, it was almost like the mentality shifted from we needed to win at Ibrox to now, or we only need a point. How did you feel going into that game? And obviously, um, we don't even need to ask how you would have felt because that's a gut-wrenching day. Um, well, it's, it's funny you say that because we, uh, the, the 13, I think we had won 12 out of 13 games leading up to that. Mm-hmm. And we had 15 played, unbeaten. We had played a 4-3-3 formation right up to the last game of the season. And and as far as we were concerned, this is, this is fact, this too, as far as we were concerned, um, the last game against Rangers, we were we were expecting to go out four three three, and what happened is Alec, and his wisdom. I don't know. I have had it. I don't think it, it discussed it with Jockey because I think they were kind of having an argument during that, the course of that. But um, Alec changed from a four three three to four four two, so we we were playing. It was Jess Booth and Hans Hellhouse was the front three. Now that's mm-hmm. a formidable strike force for any team. And and I think if you had played three players like that against Rangers, that would have kept the Rangers defence occupied, well occupied. But what they did was the the I can't remember, I think it was Scott Booth it was a sub, mm-hmm. and they went to four four two. So it was it would normally it would have been um, it was Robert Connor, Jim Bett, and I think it, I think it was Paul Mason still there at the time. He was yeah, it was Paul was it Paul Mason yeah. Paul Mason was still there. Yeah. So what they did is. That was the, the, the midfield that had got us to where we would got to. They take the left out Scott Booth and they put in Peter Van de Ven. So right away you're thinking, oh wait a minute here, four four two, four three three, four four two, or and nobody said to go out there and defend and go defensive or anything like that. But psychologically, you just thought, wait a minute, we've changed our formation here. Going a bit, you just naturally say we're going defensive. Mm-hmm. And I believe that Alec, because we only had to get one point, I think Alec thought, let's go out and again, not the way we've been playing, again, gung ho and cavalier type style. Let's go out, keep it tight. He didn't know, but don't get me wrong, we were never ever told to play defensively. But the fact that he changed his formation for that game, mm-hmm. I think, caused, and I think he'll. I'm sure if you had a chat with him, I mean, I'm sure if you could do things different, he would have, he would have kept the four-three-three formation. It's not as if though we didn't um, create chances with that four-four-two. Because no, no, Hans no, missed no. a great chance in front yeah. of the goal, and Van de Ven had a real opportunity. Which, um, if it had been Hans, um, maybe in that position, but then Hans had a real good chance by his standards. He should have scored that. Yeah, yeah. But Mark Haley produced a great header and would, um, didn't recover. Well, of course, he took Michael Watt in the first minute as well, which doesn't help. 
No, I, I mean, I think yeah, the good thing about that day is, I mean, a lot, I mean, Graham Smith was criticised heavily for, for bringing in all the English players and that, but I'll tell you, it's the best thing I think ever happened to Scottish football. It, it, playing against players of that calibre improved you because you had to. You had to play to the top of your level to be able to play against these guys. And and it was great because the Celtic Rangers games were I mean, that's the games you wanted to play in because you were biding yourself against the best talent you just in Scotland and it was world talent because in that time the English players were banned for playing in Europe and Terry Butchers and all these guys were top class players. So you, and, I mean if you look at some of the kind of the Rangers players you played against the Loudrops and all these guys, uh, Gascoins and <laughs> you look at Celtic kind of the Henrik Larsons and players of that caliber. I mean. We were blessed and lucky to be. Well, I was certainly to in that era to be to be in the same field as these guys. Kind of, you look at Celtic Rangers teams now; they don't have big superstars in their team. Whereas in our day, oh, these guys were massive players, and then it was great, an honour, privilege, and and it brought certainly brought the best out of you. Yeah, and whilst money is what the way it is, you won't see players like that again um, unless oh, someone starts. Poor man, the Scottish football. But to be honest, I I like Scottish football being um, more honest in English Premier League just now. But that's just another debate. <laughs> so a couple. Of, I mean, obviously, although you had um, you were unlucky a couple of years later under Willie Miller not to win trophies, and um, there was the three trophies in the one season that we were finished second to a pretty good Rangers team. Yeah. There was obviously that edge of a de- that decline starting to send more good players were starting to leave, and then it culminated in. A horrendous 94-95 season, which Don's fans see as memorable now because at the end of the season, put in a great run when it mattered. We got the players back when we needed to to survive. But in that initial, because it started off that season in your testimonial, beating Blackburn, um, who went on to win the English Premier League that season, yet we ended up struggling. But yeah. what happened um, that led to the... Um, you know, Aberdeen being Botman and being very, very close to being relegated that season? Yeah, I mean, it's if you look at the if you look at the team we had, we had a paper, we had a very have been good side. Yeah, we had a very good side, but yeah, it's like it's like a winning mentality. You get in the habit of winning, but we were we were in the habit of losing, um, and it's, it's confidence and and then fans can the fans. I think playing at home, I mean, at Petori, it became a burden to us because the pressure, the expectation, um, was was again a lot. You're you're under pressure, you're struggling. And there was no reason for it. I mean, we couldn't. You couldn't come out with a solution to why we, because we had a great side. Um, but I, I mean, I, I was captain there, and, and I, I was a lot. I mean, I got a lot, a lot of personal abuse um, for fans. Um, I mean, about that season, and I, I struggled with it, and I didn't. I probably didn't cope well with it. Um, I mean, I had a lot of fallouts with them, but I, I, but it's purely. I mean, if they were slagging me about making a bad pass or whatever, I would accept that. But they began to get very personal. I'm running, I mean, I'm running up the side of the park and folk are shouting abuse. I mean, I'm even on the ball. And I just couldn't tolerate that. I, nobody, I, I don't care if they pay hundreds of thousands of pounds to come and watch me, but I'm not going to let somebody personally abuse me. And I, and I didn't react, I reacted badly to it, but I wouldn't, I, was, I would do the same again. I'm not going to allow folk to speak to me like that. God, you get arrested for that kind of stuff for the police. You know what I mean? And and I wasn't accepting it. And and I wasn't, and I'll be honest, hey, I, I, I was never a, a fan's favourite. I mean, I was a winner I wanted to win. And I didn't have probably uh, that, I mean, their relationship like, you know, like the Gothenburg greats and, and that. But um, 
But uh, no, I mean, I what they didn't realise, I mean, I was under a immense pressure being the captain and the first captain who could have got the, you know, the team that got relegated. But um, they've, what they've got to realise, you're one player. I, I can't make 10 other players perform. It's it's a team game. Everybody's got to perform to get the, the results. Everybody's got to be playing to a certain level to be able to do it. So it wasn't just down to the fact I maybe didn't have a good game or a couple of, good, a couple of bad games. I just got everything, anything that happened was put on my shoulders. And I found it quite, I found it very difficult uh, that season to, to cope with. But I always say, people say to me, what was the biggest achievement you had at Pittori? And I always say, avoiding relegation, the the delight and relief uh, winning that five games in a row at the end was probably, and it's a shame because you didn't win anything for it. Can you won trophies and that in your career? But to me, it was more uh, prestigious not to, to go down in the history books as being the only captain to be the captain of the team that got relegated. And I, I mean, what a relief that happened when it happened. It was great. Yeah. And you mentioned you got it bad from stands. Did it ever um, get, you know, go over the top and um, into the, like, the streets then whenever you walked down Union Street? Or was it simply just from the stands? Um, I wasn't bad because I wasn't somebody. I, 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 and you, you wonder if somebody was man about pounding out and about. And I, I I wasn't somebody who would go, can we get beat on a Saturday? You'd be out with town on a Saturday night. I wasn't like, I didn't do a lot of that. Um, but no, I mean, hey, if people went to, uh, well, they shouldn't be able to do it anywhere. I, I, I disagree with people say, oh, you're in the public eye, you should be able to. No, I totally disagree because nobody's got any right to do that to you. Exactly. <laughs> but as a player on the field, and I mean, I always remember one instance. I was, I can remember that I was uh, over the right, uh, the South Stand side running towards the beach end and the ball was over the far corner and I'm just running up and the, I was getting personal abuse side just at me and I wasn't even on the ball um, and, I, and didn't do anything wrong and they were just having a go at us and, and I just didn't, I, I'm just not tolerating that uh, and, and I was told to apologise uh, uh, I came to the final I said no I'm the I'm not doing that because I, I, I'm not in the wrong here. They should, they're, they're supposed to be football fans and they're supposed to be supporting their team. I expect that from the opposition fans and hey, you'd be happy for op- opposition fans to, to give you a stick because they're obviously doing stuff to upset them. But your own fans, I just think it's 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 just unacceptable. The people who did it, would they like that in their own work? If their uh, workmates or somebody had a go at them like that, I don't think they would accept it. So I, I just... Whether it be wrong or right, I just wouldn't accept it. I wouldn't do that to anybody. Yeah, I mean, I mean to be to be fair, that's something that annoys me about um, football fans is when they start turning on their own. Uh, that's just unacceptable. I mean, for me, if you're going to criticise um, the team, do it half time. You know, if, if, the, if you're if you're two down at half time at home to um, Hibs, for example, and you're not playing well, you deserve to be booed coming off the park. But yeah. when you're actually trying to get back in the game. They should be trying to encourage you. Um, that's just the way I feel as a as a football fan myself. I can have never been a football fan like that because I've never. And you've always played. You've always played it, and I've never been somebody who's sitting there as a fan. But it, the, the, these guys, they just, they turn into animals. Can they just? I, I was, when I was doing media after I stopped playing, I couldn't believe it how 
and people are just kind of really kids and that. And I mean, they're talking about family games, taking families to the game, but in the foul and abusive language, and the police are standing there just, as, as I was saying, if you did that in the street, they would lift you. But you're allowed to sit in a football match and give kind of foul and abusive language at players. Uh, I, I just don't think, I mean, football's got a bad reputation for that, and hence the reason people, a lot of people and families don't go to it. And it's, it's, never, it's never changed, it's still the same. Yeah, if anything, it's actually getting worse. Yeah, um, especially yeah. with Twitter, um, etc. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm somebody. It's kind of. I mean, I, I always think in, in, in terms of that, you've got a choice. You either go on it, you don't. And I've never went on. Can I'm on Facebook and Twitter or anything like that? And yeah, you, you, I mean, I'm on, I'm on LinkedIn for business. But the problem, I, I, so many times you could say you, you can put in a comment, but you, you've got the choice because if you put a comment in. You leave yourself open to criticism. So, football players who can use media like that as an, I like social media as an excuse, uh, they shouldn't be doing that. You've got a choice; you're going to go on it. You don't need to be on it. Yeah, I think if I wasn't, if I was a football, I don't think I'd touch it. To be fair, because <laughs> no, I, I you, you never. I mean, your opinion of how well you played is never going to be the same as, as as a reporter or a fan. Everybody's got different opinions, and that's but. That's why football's so good and, 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 and loved by so many because we've all got an opinion and what opinion's right. <laughs> and, so that's, and that is it. Yeah, fair days. I mean, I mean, to be fair, a lot of the footballs that I've been lucky enough to speak to, like Roger and Ian, Jess, etc. You know, the fact that they um, were on social media made it easier for me to contact them, and um, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have had those interviews, um, but for that, so yeah. it does have its good size. And as long as people are using yeah. it for the intention it was brought for, which was yeah, to bring people it. together, yeah, um, but, but that I mean, doesn't get talked about enough. Yeah, yeah you're talking about like Robert Connor. There's a guy who got loads of criticism again. Fantastic football player for Aberdeen, but the criticism he got. Jim Bett, another one, absolutely outstanding player. But fans just didn't take them and and got a lot of abuse. And then and it, Aberdeen have been the, the fans have been so lucky over years to have talent playing for them, but they just didn't appreciate them. And nobody will ever live up to the Gothenburg greats, but they've had great talent and just didn't appreciate what that. And if you look now, Ken, how the Ken, Aberdeen and other clubs, they, they struggle to attract top-class players or, or they didn't become top-class class players, but that's purely because they're never at the club long enough. You know, they, didn't, they don't have Ken, like service, Ken, six, ten-year service. They're there for a, a year or a loan players. Or, it's hard to get an affiliation with a lot of players who are only going to be short-term. Yeah, I think Andy Constein's one of a dying breed in that regard. Well, right. Yeah, you'll never get that again. Yeah, exactly. Never. In a million but, years. Um, you know, after the abuse that you were taking in the um, the Neil relegation, six months later, you um, were an Aberdeen Cup winning captain, one of very few, um, beating Dundee, your old club, in the final, of course. Um, you, you should have scored in that final, but it didn't matter. But, um, you know, that must have been a, a, you know, a relief after, what, five, five and a half years without a trophy? Yeah, I mean, I think you get into that, that rut that you, you think that you're never going to win anything. And then, uh, I mean, we had a, a fantastic run there. I mean, the, the semi-final, there's uh, kind of the one that kind of sticks in the mind when we beat Rangers and, and Ian Jess was absolutely amazing against Paul Gascoigne. And I, I mean, I was playing left-back. I, I had moved to left-back by that time and Stevie Glass was in front of me as well. I had young young Stephen Glass playing in front. And, but again, we, at that time, we, we did have a, I mean, we had a, Good side, but I mean, I've probably played 
and better Aberdeen sides. But Rangers had a kind of kind top class side because they and had all that in like a gas going and all that guys were all playing. So it was, I, I, it was back, goes back to what I was saying that um, when you're playing against top class players, it brings the best out of you. And I think that Rangers team certainly brought the best out of Aberdeen that day, and in particular Ian Jeffrey was amazing. Um, but no, it was like, I mean, the, the final was a, a wee bit of an anti-climax because we won it far easier than, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, they've taken anything like that. Kind of cup finals were like, oh, the time good, it'd be great. But um, no, I mean, uh, the, the final was really the semi. That was the one that kind of won the, the final for us. And it was it was good to get um, to, win, to win a trophy, especially the, the previous season, the struggles of the previous uh, season. So it was good to, to get a bit of some. Yeah, it was a um, it was good. It was a relief to that self aware. And effectively, that was. Um, you know, one of your last big acts as an Aberdeen player because you ended up leaving into the following season for Dundee. But just um, summarise what um, your time at Aberdeen means to you. Um, God, I mean, I, I, uh, it was a, it was a, an, kind of, the time I signed, it was, I mean, it was like a dream come true. I mean, I, as I said, I had six months left in my contract at Dundee. There was no talk about another contract. There was no, kind of, and, and I was just playing yeah, I, I played the game I loved. You played the game for the right reasons back then. You played the game. Uh, and it was never about money. Don't get me wrong. Hey, money. You got the money um, when you win. When you're winning on a winning streak and you're winning trophies and stuff, all that kind of stuff comes with it. With it, but I mean, it was never ever about. And you, you, the way I looked at it, you were getting paid to play your hobby, and you got the opportunity to join the Aberdeen at the time I did. Um, it was fantastic. Um, yeah, your introduction to the team at that at that time, I believe anybody could have fitted into that team, being surrounded by the players I was surrounded by. Uh, and I, if had I gone to Aberdeen, when it was some of the struggling sides, you would not, maybe never played half the games you did. But I was very fortunate that I had good players around about me. I played with kind of experienced players like Jim Lee and Alec McLeish and Molly Miller for in the first three or four years. You had that triangle. That experience there, and playing under Alec Ferguson, I think. I mean, I always look at it and think, God, he actually came and he signed me, and he saw something in me that he wanted to pay money for. And and uh, but I like to think that you can you you more than paid your money back. And you were there fourteen years, played a lot of games, won nine trophies, um, could have had more win, uh, can have been one of their cups. Um, and no, I mean it was a, a privilege and an honour to play for the club. And uh, no, no regrets. Well, I suppose the only regret you maybe have is you, know, you sometimes think you maybe, and I, you do warn people about you sometimes overstay your welcome uh, at a club. And I think that maybe happened to me. I, I, I did have a chance that I could have possibly moved and I didn't do it. And thinking back, had you, could you have done things different? I might have, because I think I did. You, know, the, you, you become a, a target fans and who's the club and, I, w- I was told there was a couple of clubs actually I was told that um, both Spurs and Nottingham Forest um, that was in Alec- it was Alex Smith days actually um, so I may have been about 89 or something Forest were a good team still then and I think Brian Clough was manager of Forest at the time so but um, I didn't know I, I just was hey, naive enough to think you just ask for a transfer the club give you it and you leave uh, but no, I had two years of my contract left and the club weren't prepared to uh, to let us go. 
unless um, I was I was figures of a can be quoted of about a million pound, but the the club Forest and the and Spurs were not prepared to pay that kind of money. Um, so um, I ended off, uh, I just accepted it. That was the way it was, and I just thought, oh well, that's it. I didn't cause a stink. I could have, I could have been a rough diamond, but I just got on and 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 just and played on and and but. When you look back, uh, I mean, great. Kenny, you, you, always, you always want to play to the highest level you can. And I think I I was fortunate that I won quite a number of trophies quite early in my career at Aberdeen and blessed to have won that. But um, you, in hindsight, I shouldn't have probably stayed as long as I did. <laughs> well, from an Aberdeen fan's point of view, I'm glad you stayed um, as long as you did, to be fair. And, um, otherwise, <laughs> you wouldn't have had that... Honour being the club captain as well. Um, so yeah, yes. the brief spell, yeah, the brief spell at Dundee United towards the um, end of your career, playing under Tom Tom McLean. Um, it was a Dundee United side that had just come back into the, the top flight. Um, how how was that um, year and a bit, or however long you were there? Um, again, regrets. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have went there if I if I if I had foreseen that was how my career would have ended. I, I wouldn't have went there because um, I played. Very few games um, in that in that period. You were more you were brought in more as a, a squad player because United played a back three at that time. Uh, Morris Malvis, Mark Perry, and Stephen Presley. They all they played a like a, a three at the back, and then they had wing backs. And I I, I went down there on the basis of thinking that I was going to be playing quite regular, and I didn't play. I only I think I played fifteen or I had fifteen appearances in the time I was there. And I played most of my games. The most of the games I played was I was playing with the the the, the reserves and helping the young can try to help the young boys come through. So in hindsight, I think at that time Alec was manager at Motherwell. He was interested in signing me at the time as well. Um, I chose it because of family, because you could drive up and down to Dundee rather than have to move. I knew it was going to be a short period anyway. Um, but in terms of games and playing, wanted to. Playing the first team and leaving the first team is still the way I wanted to finish my career. Yeah, that's a shame it ended the way it did. Um, I mean, we've also covered an illustrious yeah, it club did. career. It was, it was, it was, it was, yeah, it wasn't. It was, yeah, I mean, it was more in fault. Um, but I, I, I chose that club for uh, convenience. Um, but unfortunately, it didn't work out, and and I, and I kind of my, my career fizzled away. And yeah, neither way you wanted. I wanted to finish. Playing in the first team, I never got that chance. So, yeah, that's a, that's a shame. But it doesn't take away from what has been a good club career that you had. And um, then you throw in forty caps for your country, and and amongst that time, your um, debut, yes, England the Rose Cup in nineteen eighty nine. Um, talk us through, um, you know, that that occasion. Yeah, I mean that was a um, a great great honour for me. Um, although we lost two nil, um, it was great. I mean, you're, and I think. You'd, you'd been on a successful Aberdeen side, you've been playing regular and you got your opportunity through through club performances. And uh, unfortunately, we didn't win against England, but it was a great, again, you're playing in a part Hamden, you're playing against again. At that time, it was the, the Rangers players were all playing it, uh, for for England at that time. Were Chris Wood in goals and Trevor Stephen was playing, uh, Gary Stephen played, Terry Butcher all played. So, um, but no, I was, uh, you know, obviously near the, the result you wanted, but then we beat, uh, we, we beat. Uh, I think it was was it Chile, Chile. Uh, mm-hmm. Gunel, which was was which was great. But then you kind of I don't know what happened then because you played both games, you played well, 
Um, but then he just kind of disappeared out of the international light for a for a, a period of time, um, which was a bit weird because you just thought, well, surely and you, there's justification in the performances that you had that you could be involved with the squad, but you just kind of totally disappeared out of it for a while. Yeah, but when you came back, you came back in style. A clean sheet and a goal against the defending world champions, Argentina. So you're the last Scot to have scored a winning goal against a, a world a defending world champion. And you know, that's got to rank up there as a as a career highlight. Has that in effect um got you your ticket to being in the Italian ninety squad? Yeah, I mean it's it's a, I mean again it's about um good fortune. I mean, I wasn't even in the, the Scotland Argentina squad. I, I was a B squad game. Uh, they were playing against East Germany on the Tuesday and I was in that squad. We, I was based, we were based at Glen Eagles um, and the Tuesday morning um, there was a, uh, sort of a call came to our hotel and it's, I think it was Richard Goff that had pulled out injured or something. I must have been Richard. I think it was Richard Goff. They pulled out injured from the Scotland big team and I was told that they sent a driver to come to county to Glen Eagles to pick me up. I was going down to be in the, the full squad. And I thought, God. So I never even thought nothing about playing or anything. I just thought, all right, you're in the squad. And then the next minute, you're playing. I thought, you never had a chance to think. That was probably the good thing because you didn't even have a chance to think about it. Uh, you were playing and then lo and behold, you go and score the goal. And... And that, and that was amazing because that's what kind of kick-started my international career, career because I didn't play in any um, of the qualifier games for Italy, but you went to Italy. And it was great. I mean, I've, I mean, uh, uh, the, the, the occasion, I mean, to score the goal and then I've never had so much um, publicity after a goal because, I, I mean, I didn't even get to swap jumpers because I, I had all the media and interviews and whatever, and that's why I swore I would never score for Scotland again. I didn't like the media attention. <laughs> um, but you know, it, was a, it was a fantastic uh, kind of again it's all about opportunity comes you've got to try and grab it and yeah, it's, it's luck again you were there the, the right place at the right time but 1-1-0 I scored the goal and, and that kind of kick-started my Scotland career it certainly did and as we say you went to Italian 90 you played in a couple of games the Italian 90 experience maybe didn't go according to plan because obviously there was the aftermath of the um the Costa Rica game, it didn't go um, according to plan because we get beat and then obviously went out on goal difference again. Despite playing well against Brazil, um, obviously um, there was they scored through Miller and then Taffrell makes an unbelievable save from Mo Johnson. But being able to play in the World Cup, because that proved to be your only World Cup, you know, it's just um, an unbelievable feeling that you must have had, even if it didn't, or were you more, uh, we didn't do well in it. That's how um. it I, I, don't, I don't think you kind of appreciate um, what you've done and where you've been and played. I mean, I, I think the good thing about um, COVID last year was they were playing a lot of these uh, games on the telly, you know, like Italia and Euro 96, Euro 92, and you're like, my God, I played in that. And, and it's neat till you look back now when you think, gee, and at the time it's, you just, it's your job and you just do it. And, and I think it passes you by, um, the occasion passes you by and you don't really get a and the, the, the chance to enjoy it and to take in where you are and what you're doing. It's neat till you look back years later that you think, oh, that's quite amazing, actually, because, I mean, I, I, to this day, I mean, I do believe that I could have been better. I could have done a lot better. I could have achieved more. Um, and I, I do. You do believe that, but 
when you look back at your career, you think, God, oh, you, you achieved quite a lot, though. And when you when you see it and analyze it, you think, oh. and you, you you think you begin to think, well, you weren't that bad, you know, because you always question your performance and stuff. But then you look at games back. I think I, I looked at the the Aberdeen Rangers game, the last game this season, and I, I watched that because that was on a. Uh, that was on last year. I, I watched. It. I can't remember. <laughs> How did I play? I know we got beat two 0 And you look at the game and the team. And you know, God, we we played some really good football in the game. So I think you you can be maybe your harshest critic at times, and you probably done it. You take it for granted. You don't appreciate again, what you've went on and done and achieved. So no, looking back, I mean, I've been very lucky. Um, I think luck has got a major part to do with uh, can getting up, can getting where the opportunities that you got. A lot of luck uh, being there in the right time, right place. Um, and, and I'm, and I'm just, I mean, I, I thank uh, all my managers and everybody that give you the opportunity because could you do it again? If, if you could do it again, I would love to do it again. There's nothing beats playing football. Yeah, definitely. And uh, you were part of a, um, a slight batch that um, made Scottish history by being the first men's team to play at Euro 92, you played in six of the eight qualifiers, missed home games against Bulgaria and San Marino only. Um, but at the time, it probably wasn't appreciated what Scotland um, had achieved by qualifying factor because only eight teams qualified. That's right, um, yeah. And we, and we were one of them. It was the first time that we'd ever done that. But I think back then, because we were qualifying for five World Cups in a row, it was almost um, like expected in some way. Is this, as I say, why was this never done before? As opposed to, well done. I know, well, I mean, I think we, I think we applied ourselves quite well as well, because I think in a as a a championship we did quite well in that game. Although we lost one, we lost one nil to a fantastic. I mean, for the, the Dutch players who were playing on that side, you had you had Bergkamp and Van Basten and Hulett and uh, you know you had guy uh, Koeman and uh, they all played on that Dutch side. I mean, that was a formidable uh, Dutch side that we played against, and we, and we lost the game to. Like a late, I think it was seventy something goal uh, minutes. And Bergkamp scored the goal, but and then we went on to play against Germany. And again, we we gave a, a good account of ourselves uh, against Germany. Played played quite again uh, very well as well. And then uh, we were rewarded for our efforts by getting a a, a really good three 0 win against uh, the this the C I S. They call ourselves C I S. So. I mean, it was a, in, in terms of performance, and uh, it's probably in, in recent times, it's probably the, in one of the best performances overall. The three games, I think the team played played very well. I mean, we 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 made. I mean, Holland beat us one nil, and we, but we made them work uh, work to win it. And and to have players of that caliber, I mean, that that team, I mean, they had some fantastic names that played uh, in that Dutch side. In uh, Germany, well, I mean, Germany won it quite. I mean, as can good can, uh, household names is, is, is uh, the Dutch. But, of course, Germany always got good sides. Can. They've always got fantastic players. But, no, I mean, it was a, it was a great tournament. Um, again, it was just uh, kind of unfortunate that um, we, didn't, uh, we didn't get through. But I think we acquitted ourselves well and came away. We were, were, were heads held high because we really did well and, and performed well for the country. Yeah, I mean, how did it feel for you um, um, in terms of being... Um, one of the few number nines in a um, in a Scotland World Cup, in a Scotland major tournament squad, and probably one of the least likely um, names. No offence to be wearing a number yeah. nine jersey, but oh, I know yes. it was Andy Roach was caps by um, yes. number number by caps thing. 
Aye, because you get asked a lot about that. How were you number nine? And I, I explained that I think Ali McCoy's number two. And I, I try to explain, other than the goalies, it went on the, the, the caps you had uh, won for the I for your country, and that's how they did it. Which, I can't it's a good bit. I don't know, maybe it was to try and baffle the opposition, but it certainly didn't do it. So, but, but no, um, yeah, it doesn't matter what your number is, it's kind of it's just the opportunity to play in that kind of that stage at that level. It was great. And you just kind of think that. There's no, no word of lies. It's the kind of things you dream about when you're a kid. You love to play for your country. And to, to actually do it, and it's, it's great. It's kind of been honoured and lucky to have done it. Did McCoy give you any stick for having his number? <laughs> no, not at all. He, he's, he was never... He was never as fast as me as a number two. He never got up and, up and down the field as fast. But he's a he's a good lad, Ali. A lovely guy. Great at getting, in, getting you in nightclubs for free. <laughs> <laughs> oh, super! Yeah, I think I think Coy's take a charm, charm anything. To be fair, yeah. oh, <laughs> it's a guy you would love. You it's a guy you would love your 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 daughter to take home to you. Get them married. Lovely guy. You go and great with him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's very few people that um, have a bad word to say about him. But in terms yeah. of um, the I mean that's that squad as well. I mean, I mean we're talking now about needing. The, 20 odd years before you had, it was mainly English based players in a World Cup squad. Like I think the squad of 74, for example, had 12 um, English based players out of a squad of 20. That 20 man squad had 15 players from Scotland and only five yeah. from England. You know, but he's formed a really good um, team spirit. And back in those days, you know, um, you compare Steve Clarkle had a couple of weeks um, before the Euros. Andy Roxburgh and Craig Brown had like four or five weeks. Um, after the Scottish Cup final two, the first game with you all and took you to Canada yeah. and America and uh, yeah. Norway. I mean, that, you know, if you didn't have any team spirit beforehand, you certainly did after that. Yeah, I mean, it was good. I mean, that was, it was good um, in Bond. I mean, that, Andy Roberts, Brian and Craig Brown were, were great, great to have. And I can, as, they're so laid back and fun. And, and they, they were like living the dream themselves. Can, to be in that position, to be the Scotland coaches and that is, I mean, fantastic. That's kind of thing. They probably dreamt it again uh, when they were when they were kids. Again, I'd love to do that. And but they were really again bubbly characters, very positive characters, and very likable. And and they, I mean, I, I know I, I, they got a lot of stick in that again because the people didn't can take them serious. But they were they were really well respected by the again, by the majority of the, the players in the the squads. And and they kind of I mean. I've got nothing but nice. I can't. I can't say nothing but nice things about them because they were always kind of good with me. Again, and again, they they gave me my opportunity and they stuck by me. Once I got in there, they stuck by me. Yeah, they certainly did, and uh, I think they were always loyal. And I think again, when we talk about we look back last year and how much we appreciate these things before, I think Roxburgh and Brown at the time weren't as appreciated as they are now because. It took us 23 blooming years to get to him. It just yeah, was those yeah. two were doing it every year, every second year almost. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, I think it's 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 a team spirit because it was a, I mean, they had it like a, it was like a club. It was near like an international players. I mean, I remember my very first call up. Do you? I mean, I, 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 Alec Ferguson. It was Jock Steam as manager, and Alec Ferguson was the assistant, and and I was in a squad with Kenny Douglas and Graham Sooner, Stevie Archibald, all these guys, and I'm thinking. The only thing I could think in my mind is if I'm sure, what am I going to speak about if I'm sure and we can end Oglish? Jesus, can Oglish here? And I was kind of overawed by the again, the quality of the players that I was again, was surrounding me. Um, and I was like, God, what am I going to put in the room we can? What am I going to speak about? 
he's a superstar. And then before something, I was going to be Richard Goff. He was in the squad at that time, and that's when I kind of got in, uh, involved with Richard. He's a, a cracking guy as well, a lovely, kind of down to earth, helpful. How is he? Well. How is he as a leader compared? I mean, obviously, you were used to Willie Man at least. I mean, Richard was very, I mean, I would, you, you put a thing up there, kind of quality player. Performance again. I think he led by kind of, he wasn't a, a he was an organizer, but he wasn't a, kind of like a a money type shouter. He would shout, but in a positive kind of way. Um, but I think his performances again was the kind of the, the most important thing. He he, I mean, the best leaders have actually got the ability to kind of to shout and organize, even when they're playing having a bad game. There's not many people can do that and play badly and then criticize you, you know and. But he didn't. He wasn't a critical player. Can he wouldn't criticise you, but he would encourage. And uh, but he was a fantastic, fantastic player. Can both at right back and centre back. Great player. I think he was one of the best defenders in his day in that tournament. I think he was one of the best defenders of, of the tournament. What's my honest opinion? Yeah, um, no, no, doesn't no, even matter no. who he played for for me yeah. for Scotland. He was playing for sort of matters to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then it was just a shame what happened and how those um, Roxburgh. Goff fell out, and then obviously Goff never played for Scotland again the, the following year after um, after Portugal because of the fallout, and then Craig Brown never picked him. It's it's a, I always find that sad because you look at Euro '92, and I remember I bought one of those tribute videos, and it was the picture in the front was Goff and Roxburgh in front of the fans, arms uh-huh. aloft, and then a year later they're no longer talking. It's really sad. It's yeah. Sad. But I suppose that's kind of it's, it's football, isn't it? Again, you have again you have hey, what we're talking about earlier. There's opinions and and, and they, they maybe had a kind of disagreement and it's a, a, kind of something that you can't can't sort. Um, this is the way I think we should do it, and, and this is the way I think I should do it. And if it come to loggerheads, then maybe best part company and and, and get on with it. Again, it's 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 just what football's about. It's all about opinions. Exactly, and uh, we so we also missed out for America. Roxburgh moves on. Brown um, steps in as a successor. He was given a simple task, qualify for your next six. It's down in England. We can't have a tournament down in England and us not being there. We got there. Um, and, you know, you're part of another um, another Euro squad. Uh, made a couple of appearances. Um, good point against Holland, which built up our expectations for England. And then your last cap comes against the team you started against and yeah, yeah. it was all going well until the second half started and then the penalty mess etc yeah. yeah so it's amazing how it can, uh, again we I didn't I thought we played very well in that game we didn't uh, came, we, we more than held our own maybe weren't they creating a lot of chances but we, again England we were restricting them to uh, again, very little activity as well but um, it's just amazing how, how quickly a, a game can change um, I'd Gary McAllister's or the penalty kick, we may well have been uh, through, through out of the group stage. But then, um, I mean, you look at Ken Gosley, Gascoigne, you, you, you never forget, because it's a fantastic, I mean, a, a fantastic goal. He took it absolutely brilliantly. Um, and, uh, and it's just, hey, it's just as, the usual hard luck story for Scotland. Again, one minute, we're just about there. The next minute, you're out. And, and it, hey, we could have still got through, of course, because we then went on to beat Switzerland and it, our fate was in England's hands and at one stage we were through. Um, so it's it's just, uh, you've got, uh, one thing I think you've got to realise in, in, as, a, as a Scotland player is you've got to earn 
your own. Can you've got to earn the points yourself? You can't rely on uh, other countries doing you a favour because we've done it. There's so many tournaments we've went out due to uh, can be losing a goal here, there. You've got to do it yourself. Go out there. One in the first, one in the first game is the important thing. I don't think can. Uh, have we won a game first the first game ever? I don't maybe we did Yeah. So other than that, we've never won, we've never given ourselves that platform build. We've always been decent. And and it's hard to chase because the interna- I mean at your international level, there's not a great deal between the teams and, and, and it does take one moment of magic or, or whatever. I mean, because the thing about our teams, the Scotland teams in our days, we were very, very difficult to beat. Uh, we were well organised, well drilled, and we had players who could sneak a goal. Now I think the, the current Scotland teams, they've got some cracking players in it, but they don't seem to have goal scorers. You know, and I, and that's the can there's nobody else scorer. I mean, we had we're lucky yet. McCoy's team maybe wouldn't be in the game for it. Again, the majority of the match, but he's got that ability. Of ball comes in the box, he'll score a goal. Jury did the same. Can you had guys who could sneak a goal? And I don't know, this Scottish team doesn't seem to be blessed with any of these kind of strikers that's got that. But but they have got, on paper, they've got a very good side. We could do with someone prolific just now, though. Last night was an impressive performance going to Austria and winning. I missed it. I missed it. I must have missed that one. But a great result. Yeah, and you know it was it was good to see us back after a major tournament after after so long. And yeah, the results um, weren't weren't great. Um, you know, losing the two home games. So um, either side of an impressive draw against an England side who ended up reaching the final. Um, but just being back there, um, you know, was um was just great. And it just made it must make guys like you think um, how fortunate you were to be able to play in three of them. Um, you know, whereas generations where some good players have missed out yeah oh, I mean there's been some fantastic players um, that's never played in these tournaments for Scotland um, and, and it's a shame because we have had some cracking players over the years uh, I, that that uh, oh, yeah, they're probably kind of work when you talk about world class players it's never had that opportunity um, but yeah we're we're the good thing about us is, again, we're, 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 we're expect, expectations are never that high. Again, once we get to these tournaments, we're there, we're there, and we want to just enjoy being there. Again, and that's, I think, that's the good thing that people like about Scotland is we're 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 not score losers. I mean, again, we know what expectations. We don't go to these tournaments expecting to win them. We just want to take part and give a good account of ourselves. And that's a, I think that's all the fans ever ask of Scotland: go there, try your hardest. And if we if we do, can if we go out there and play and try our hardest and we get beat, then we accept it. You get beat by a better team, you've got to accept it. And I think they did. I mean, if you look at the this last tournament, I mean, I think we probably underestimated Croatia. I mean, they're a, they're, they're a really good side. Um, England England didn't play that well, but Scotland raised their game and, and played quite well. And I think the one at the I think we are we all thought that maybe the Czech Republic was going to be the easy game, but you look how the Czech Republic progressed and that, and, and they were actually quite a good side as well. So I think uh, yeah. overall, um, yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, against the uh, Czech Republic, we could have, we should have scored. I mean, we had probably the guy, the goalkeeper had about four great saves and on a different day we would have scored three or four goals. But I think the, you've got to look overlook, I look at the whole picture and, and we probably weren't good enough uh, 
I to get out of that group because we were in a good group. That's the bottom line. Yeah, I think that's it. I mean, we, um, Scotland can never say any team's an easy team. <laughs> Quite simply, we've got the track record that proves it. No, um, and before yeah. I move on to the um, the last um, quite fair questions, um, just got um, quite question thoughts on Aberdeen of now. Your old teammate you mentioned earlier, who was my match Coco Cup final, Stephen Glass, um, who has that wonderful bike as the memento. Um, he's now manager. Um, how do you think he'll do? Um, I'm hoping he's, uh, he'll do well. Um, I never imagined Steve Yates as a youngster playing um, playing from. I never, never ever thought in a million years he would be a manager. I didn't think he'd do that uh, in him, but he looks, he comes across very well. Um, he's inherited a hard job because um, Derek McInnes has um, kept Aberdeen at a, at a level um, for a, a lot of years. He's, he's kept them in a, like in that third best team for quite a lot of years and he's had to wheel and deal um, to do it, um, and he's done really. He did really well. Stephen um, has. I, I've I've watched a few of their games this season, and he's got a lot of work to do because uh, I don't. I don't. I mean, if he's, he's brought in three three players who are uh, two I know of who could make a big difference to them. Uh, the, the lad from Newcastle and Ollie Watkins. Um, the guys could make a the difference to the team. Um, they do need. I mean, I do again still think, although the um, uh, Ramirez has scored a few goals for him, um, I don't think he's long term the, the solution because he's quite. He doesn't look fit and he looks immobile a wee bit. But um, no, Steve. I mean, he's he's got a hard job because he's he has a lot of new players come in, um, and, he, and he's and he's got a couple of cracking youngsters. I've got to say, the two fullbacks, brilliant. Uh, the potential of these guys, and they could be there for a lot of years. Uh, I mean, uh, just a bit of help. They just need a wee bit of experience around about them to keep, can keep them going in the right direction. I think they're going to be really good players for them. Um, but I just think they lack, they do lack a wee bit of creativity. Eh? That's what I think. And again, they don't have, their midfield players all seem to be very similar. They just they play easy passes. There's nobody and there's nobody breaking through the midfield, no goal threat for the midfield, no creaking, somebody who could put a 40-yard pass, they just lack a wee bit of creativity, but maybe the guy Longstaff will come in and he'll maybe be the man that does it, but um, no, I mean, I think, I wish him well, because it's a very, very hard job to take on, because the, the fans at Aberdeen haven't changed over the years, they still demand that you're, you're the best team, and, and, and unfortunately, that you're Every year, you're having to juggle the pack a bit. You're having to take a lot of guys in on loan. Uh, these guys are only there short term. The fans can't get an affiliation with them because just as they're beginning to, to blossom and turn into decent players, they're back at their clubs or they've moved on. So it's, it's a very, very... I mean, football's different that way because you don't get players... You were mentioned about Andrew Considine. You don't get players like that. Now, the guys will be there a couple of years and they'll be away. Yeah, exactly. So, look, the boy Rams, I think, will be gone in a year or two. Um, that's just yeah, the way. Yeah, well, so well. I mean, the, the McKenzie as well. I mean, they're, they're two, two good players. Again, the, the, the modern day players, they're, they're geared to going forward and they put in great crosses as well. I mean, which is a striker's dream. Yeah, definitely. He'd love to be a striker now. Um, so we'll move on to, um, we'll just round off with around the quick fire questions as yeah. we call them in the podcast, the slow fire, because it takes them that long usually. So uh, what's your favourite tipple? My favourite tipple? 
Mm-hmm. Oh, I like a, I like a good a good lager. Tennis lager. Tennis lager. <laughs> the original Scottish best, yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favourite movie? Oh God, favourite movie. Well, I've been watching a lot of, uh, during lockdown and that. I've been watching a lot. Of, believe it or not, um, South American, South American films, and uh, they're all obviously. Can you remember the? Uh, they're all in Spanish and whatever. So my Spanish is coming on quite good. But I watched a cracking series called The Queen of Flow. It's a kind of reggae town music type oh, thing. And I've got into this kind of reggae. I'm getting older now. You see the, the moves are slowing down a wee bit. So Queen of, Queen of Flow. Watch it on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll look that up. Um, and when you're in the car driving to um, your work, um, unless you're actually working from home what's um, the main album that you're playing on your Spotify or whatever um god I've, I've got well I have got Spotify but it's a lot of different I've, I've, I'm very wide and varied I mean I can like I mean I'm up to date I've got to say for, for the age I am I, I'm I can, I, I, I'm into, up to date with the modern music but hey I I've uh, been to see Andre Bocelli and I, I mean I like I like opera I like the uh, pop I like 80s I like modern stuff so I'm a bit of Oh, hey, if it gets the old the old toes tap and it's good enough for me. <laughs> so it's going to be like um, Andrea Pacelli singing, um, uh, I've forgotten, it's Ness and Dorma, and then followed oh, up by Club Tropicana yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> after the club there in Aberdeen. <laughs> there you go. That's exactly, that's, that's me. It's it's so wide and varied. I'm, I'm, I'm open and, and willing to listen to most music. <laughs> um, have you ever been to Club Tropicana in Aberdeen? Don't think so. Don't think so. I think that's be a, a younger person's place yeah. for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of our regulars um, on the podcast, Erin, um, mentioned that she was there. It's quite expensive, and the uh-huh. drinks are certainly not free there. Um, oh, <laughs> for sure. um, so, a couple of food related questions now. So, we like a pie chat in the podcast. What's your favourite pie? I like uh, the butcher here in, in Aberdeen beside me does a great steak pie. Nice. And um, if you were in death row, what would your death row meal be? Oh, God, what would I have? I've got this, I've got the, uh, the wife bought us um, during lockdown the uh, uh, uni pizza maker. It would be a, a meat feast pizza. Um, she, we'll make our own pizzas now, and they're fantastic. Well, she does it. I, I, I make them, she cooks them. And she's got the she's got the paste as a the, the base down a treat now. Nice. So what you're saying is, um, you know, if we ever come out get a, a McKimmy pie rather than anything from Domino's yeah. or Pizza Hut. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> we'll give Mrs. McKimmy a shout when we're next up. Um, and in, in terms of your playing career, what was um, you also played in the era of Umbro, who had a few crackers out at that point. Um, what was the worst um strips that you ever played in club or country? The worst I would say Scotland had a horrible orangey pinky colour, I think it was. Yeah, horrible. the salmon effort again. Uh, yeah. that's, uh, that one, Kevin Gallagher says that's his favourite because he scored in it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, that was probably the worst. I mean, Aberdeen, if, Aberdeen's, a, mind, mind you, Aberdeen had that one. That, I think it was the Coca Cola Cup final when I won, we won it. That splurred that blue on it. Like, yes. um, I loved, I mean, my favourite Aberdeen. Thought was the, the the blue and yellow stripy one, oh, the, the navy, navy blue. I loved that one. A, a Fab were the sponsors at the time, and I loved that strip. Uh, that was probably my favourite one. It was better than the one with the sick on it. <laughs> it looks like uh, a, I know, I know, I like a seagull or something. <laughs> had 
dropped one on you. Uh, but no, that's probably no. That was probably the worst in there in the Scotland one. As I see the salmon pink one, probably it. Yeah, well, not tell it, Stephen. Uh, Stephen Wright actually um, likes that strip because his two Scotland caps were in that strip too. So. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I always thought when we spoke to him as well. I feel as I'm plugging our podcast so often here. Um, we don't just interview Aberdeen players, by the way, but <laughs> um, but but no, Stephen. Um, I was actually surprised that he only got two Scotland caps. I mean, to be fair, you were a competition for him, but I thought he had like a few more. I always thought he was like one of those five cap ones, but no, it was yeah. just two. It was quite surprising. Sure, I mean, he's he's doing well. He's, I mean, I keep in touch. Me uh, uh, regular, but occasionally we am. He's doing well at Dundee, you know. So yeah. no, I mean, you know, lovely, lovely lad. Again, it's one of yeah, I mean, again, the young guys in that. Again, it came through with that. Again, at that time we're all, they can always see him very polite, well mannered. Again, Stevie Glass, Stevie Wright, again, lovely, lovely guys. Again, great, great guys to work with. Again, youngsters, again, guys who I think show showed kind of kind of experienced players a bit of respect in that, which which a lot of them in my era didn't they? But um, but you know, I mean, some lovely. I think Aberdeen's always been good with the youngsters. Again, I think they've they've always developed and came out came decent people. Yeah, definitely, and. Include David Robertson, another one that we spoke to, and I must say when we spoke to him, he was absolutely um, tremendous. Because even though he faced two Aberdeen fans, he, well, this is a guy that worked in a war zone, so he wasn't going to be yeah. faced by that. But no, he couldn't yeah. have been um, any better. And whenever when we asked him the question about that transfer, he couldn't have been more honest about it. So no, it was yeah. kudos. Um, um, who was the biggest joke in the in the changing room? You must you've had a few there. Rogers got me one of them. Well, he, I mean, I, I was very quite close. I, at that time, was very close to the likes of him, him Bet, and Brian Grant was kind of the three kind of, that's the three kind of guys. Brian Grant, really? He, he comes across as quite quiet. He is quiet, but he used to get a good kind of a wee laugh. Kind of, Grant would be a wee drink, and that's a different different animal. Um, but Roger, I mean, Roger, I mean, I was, I mean, I still keep in touch with him. I mean, uh, he was a kind of laugh a minute, like, Always cracking jokes, uh, but we we had some looking great, great guys at that time. Can the, the camaraderie was brilliant. Can Duncan Shearer was another you know, can he a good laugh we and and even Paul and Paul Mason back in that time as well. Just trying to think of my kind of early, I mean I went back in the early days when I was there. I mean Neil Cooper was there, he was the joker in the, in the park and he just never stopped laughing. Um, but uh, no, there's been some some good characters who came over the years. Um, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. It's probably one of the keys to success. And that brings us nicely on to the final question. You knew this was coming. Um, name a best 11 from your playing career. Yeah, so I, I, for your sake, my playing career, that I've played with, I've, I, or yes. against as well, just for people I've played with. Yeah. Um, if you want to go to Phil Hogg and do one against, that would be a nice wee matchup to see yeah. who. <laughs> I'll, 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 try, I'll, I'll try and get the Aberdeen one first. Um, <laughs> Well, it's, I suppose if you look at players that you've played with at Aberdeen and that, you've got to look at well, Jim Leighton was probably me, probably the best best goalkeeper. Um, no question about that from in, in my in my mind. Um, looking at uh, again, well, as nobody beats Willie and Big Alec alongside him. Um, Davy Robertson was uh, I mean although he, he wasn't at Aberdeen he didn't play Aberdeen a, a lot but he was a fantastic left back and probably the best left back uh, in my time at the club yeah, I mean. um, 
Now, now what gets a bit more difficult because you've got so, I mean, Gordon's, well, I've got to say Gordon Strachan is a kind of wide right because um, without him being there, I might have, my career might have been different Aberdeen, I think. He was just great, absolutely fantastic for me, made my life so easy. Um, when you look at in the middle, uh, I mean, I, I've got to put um, kind of like a Jim Bett in there. I mean, I think he was a guy that was vastly underrated by the Aberdeen public. Didn't they get the credit he deserved? Um, a guy that could play the game at his own pace, or he could. Mm-hmm. He was very quick as well, but he could play. He had this ability to play at his own pace. Um, but I would hear um, Robert Connor next to him because again, a guy who was heavily criticised by the Aberdeen public, but a very gifted player, mm-hmm. a fantastic. Can he again? Cult, kind of, uh, cultured left foot. Um, he's one of these left footers who you can the really good ones. I've got the again ability to slow the game down, they play at the pace that they are comfortable playing it, and they kind of get the ball off him. He wasn't everybody's cup of tea because he wasn't a hundred mile an hour. And that back in that days, I think everybody wanted everybody to be rushing about a hundred mile an hour. Mm-hmm. They were Jim and, and Robert Connor, uh, fantastic players, two of them. <laughs> and then I would have said probably Peter Weir playing in the left. I mean, I played against Peter at Dundee, and Peter played, and he didn't have a weak foot. You used to get told put him on his weak foot. He was equally as good with his left foot as he was with his right foot. Mm-hmm. Absolutely mm-hmm. fantastic. Um, uh, I mean, uh, difficult. I mean, it was a bit like, I mean, there's been a, quite a few um, difficult wingers I've played against in my life. Peter's up there, Davy Cooper, Davy Proven, Brian Loudrup, getting some fantastic mm-hmm. uh, wingers. But, but Peter Weir, um, kind of great engine, he used to, to can work at left side brilliantly for Aberdeen, but also as a attacking sense, brilliant. Um, up front, well, I mean, I, I can't see. There's one that string, springs to mind right away, and that's Brian McDougall. I mean, I've never seen a, a, a fin- I've never played with a finisher at Petodre like Frank. Um, mm-hmm. Absolutely mm-hmm. amazing striker, get the ball in that box. I mean, I've played the game when Aberdeen beat uh, Celtic 4 1, McDougall got the four, and I was one with the left, one with the right, two headers. Brilliant, absolutely fantastic. And then I was here. We kind of leave little Ian out, Ian Jess. We've got to hear Ian in, if nothing else for his good looks. Now, nah, Ian, a gifted, gifted player, lucky again, one of these guys that um, Aberdeen got for nothing. Uh, it was a hitch we signing uh, and a player at uh, kind of, he probably didn't, he probably never reached the potential that he should have either. Can play for Scotland, never played enough games for Scotland. He went to Coventry wrong. He, came back to Aberdeen and, and you never you're never the same player really when you come back. Uh, Ian could have went on. In fact, it's funny, it's funny because I, I did a point about a podcast and I did a podcast uh, with Ian, but we never put it out because it, we didn't realize again from what we were speaking of we spoke about his move to Coventry. And what I didn't know, he actually had the chance to to go to Sampdoria in Italy. And I and when I heard that, I thought, Jesus, I would. I mean, you were so stupid because your ability to go to Syria R would have been a match made in heaven. You would have been a fantastic player there. But he, what he said was, because Aberdeen was so good to him, he wanted to give them a fee, and he would have went to Sampdoria for nothing. And in the end, of they got one point whatever six million pounds from yeah. And I'm like, that's Jesus. Well, God, you. you 
it's good of you to do that, but your career move, it would have been the best thing for you to go to Italy because what a sensation you could have been. Yeah. So, but uh, no, hey, you admire him for that, again, for, for, for being, again, thanking Aberdeen for giving him that opportunity and he paid him back. And so, um, no, if you go, that's my, my 11. I'm, I'm pretty sure that 11 would be, well, of course, I was playing right back. I forgot to say that. Yeah, um, I was but, uh, you must be the first <laughs> one to put yourself in the team, but I, I like that. <laughs> Uh, no, I have, to, I have to play that game, uh, and I'm pretty sure they would be very competitive now. And who's managing it? Silly question. Uh, it, it, it would have to be all like that. I thirty, I thirty. We've been there with him. back at his best, shouting and bawling and screaming, and uh, we've got to hit him. Yeah, that's definitely a title-winning team. If only that yeah. was around now. Aberdeen, well, he's probably sold for a lot of million, to be fair, before we could win the league. But um, <laughs> listen, thank you very much for your time, Stuart. It's no been an absolute pleasure. And um, you take care of yourself and good luck with your business. Thank you. No, brother, thank you very much. We'll speak to you again, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. Take care. Okay. Thank you.